welcome to the first edition of Shape by the Word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are really excited about this uh, year's podcast. Uh, one, we will be publishing this in podcast, not only on the video on YouTube, but also in any of the features, you know, that you can, any place you get a podcast. So you can uh, receive this any way that you want. We began, you know, with the uh, you know, Christ Church reading plan, which is a kind of a different reading plan. We've spaced the Gospels throughout the year. So we begin with the Gospel of Luke, which is kind of an odd place to begin. Yeah. It's the third of the Gospels. And then you have John, and then you have the book of Acts. What we're going to do is we're going to lift the uh, Gospel of John out of there and put Luke and Acts together because they're written by the same author, and they give us an entire history of the New Testament beginning with the life of Jesus and going through the early church all the way to Rome with Paul in prison in Rome. And then we will do Paul's letters, and then we'll come back and grab the other Gospels and match letters, you know, with them that, uh, you know, fit their theme. So as we start a new book, it's always exciting to start a New Testament book and to read it over Mm -hmm. and to, you know, grab even more of the nuance and the depth you know, than you have before. What are some of the you know good practices or the best practices for preparing yourself to read a new book of the Bible? Yeah, I would say the first one is to to just come humbly to the text, you know, and prayerfully that knowing that God has spoken to us through His Word, and He also now the Spirit dwells in us and helps us to understand and to to perceive right what what is in the Word. And so I, I think praying and asking God to reveal Himself mm-hmm. to to transform us through His Word. Just maybe even just reminding ourselves that every time we come to the word, it does a work in us. You know, it, it doesn't return void. And so asking the, you know, asking God to just do a work in us through his word as we read it um, is huge. And then also, um, whether it's through the Bible project videos or through a study Bible, just kind of getting an understanding of some of the key themes yeah. that you'll be encountering throughout the book is really helpful just to kind of, you know, navigate, maybe see the landscape, kind of step back and see the forest, you know. Yeah, get the big picture before you, you know, jump in Mm -hmm. and understand, you know, the contours of of the book, how the book is put together. And Tim, you know, does such a great job in his videos. And you're so right, we we read the word, you know, not like a a novel to entertain ourselves or like a textbook to educate ourselves. We read it relationally in order to know God more deeply and to follow him, you know, with even greater passion. So that's what we want when we, we come to the Word. Yeah. And, of course, we always begin, you know, by offering ourselves and the moment, uh, you know, to the Lord. So, Katie, do you mind doing that to Absolutely. kick us off? For sure. Father, thank you for, thank you for who you are. Thank you for bringing us um, to this moment where we get to open up your Word together and, um, and read from the book of Luke. Thank you for the story that is unfolding here, um, the story of, of how you, you sent your son um, to live the perfect life that we could never live and die the death that we deserved. Um, so as we open up your word together, Father, would you be glorified? And would you change our hearts um, and help us to just enjoy um, this beautiful story that's not just a story, but that is history and, it's a, and that you've invited us to be a part of it. So um, would you change us? Would you be with us as we read your word together? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, The Gospel of Luke, beginning in chapter 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. This in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. 
In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she exclaimed. In these days, she has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mm-hmm. So Luke starts us off with uh, two uh, miraculous births. Mm-hmm. One, one in the pattern of Old Testament. You know, it's very reminiscent of you know, Abraham and Sarah's story. 
uh, Sarah was unable to conceive, and in her old age, she was able, you know, to conceive, you know, naturally. It's also, you know, true in the story of Isaac, true in the story, you know, of, of Jacob as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a pattern that's repeated in the Old Testament every time it's a miraculous birth. But what uh, Luke wants us to see is there's one that far outshadows anything that God has ever done in the Old Testament, what he has done through Christ. Mm-hmm. And the most miraculous birth you could imagine, you know, through this young teenage girl, you know, probably, I mean, if she was an old maid, she would have been 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She may have been, you know, 13 or 14. And what a wonderful response, you know, of faith. I, I love her response uh, whenever, you know, Angel Gabriel's describing Jesus and he will reign on his father's throne, you know, forever, David's throne forever. I'm going, how can that be? She's saying, how in the world am I going to be able to have a child? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. First things first, yeah. you know, before we reign on the throne forever, yeah. we have to have this baby. There's definite parallels between both of these stories that Luke is showing us. And I love that, speaking of her reaction, like I love the difference between their reactions. Even though Zechariah is so much older and wiser than her, he's even priest you know like and then you have mary this young girl Mm. a virgin and they both actually respond similarly as far as the words go um but you can tell there's a different heart behind each reaction and of course zechariah gets the consequence of that reaction and then she is is praised for her response they both have the same basic question how can this how can this be Mm -hmm. um mary is receiving God's word and she's ready to make it happen. Just tell me how. Mm-hmm. Zechariah saying, "There's no way, yeah. Yeah. you know that the, you know this can happen," and mm-hmm. it is, you know, the, the fantastic. And of course, you're going to see this in Luke over and over again. Mary's is a response of discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, here I am. Uh, you know, may it be to me as you have you yeah. have said. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we're missing, you know, some things, you know, here oh, in yeah. Luke when we jumped in right into <laughs> the first two panels. The way that he sets up his gospel, you know, is so beautiful yeah. in the first, you know, four verses. Uh, you learn a, bit, a lot about how the Bible, you know, about the Bible comes together. What are some things that stand out, you know, to you map when you look at those first four verses? Yeah, I mean, we could spend hours talking about the first four. No I, I love yeah. how, you know, many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that have been fulfilled among us. I mean, so you already have just this circulation of interest around Jesus that many have undertaken to do what Luke has done. But I love, you know, things that have been fulfilled among us. You know, I think the ESV translates it accomplished. I, I like fulfilled so much better yeah. here because this isn't just a new thing that's happened. This is the continuation, you know, of the Old Testament story. And I mean, we're talking 400 years of silence and you get the other gospel writers, they just kind of immediately jump into Jesus's birth. But Luke is like, hey, God's at work. And, and I love he gives us a glimpse right before, I mean, he doesn't even spend much time on Jesus's birth. Yeah. He actually spends a lot of time on the news leading up to Jesus' birth. And so I love the things that have been fulfilled among us. And Luke's going to continue to show us. I don't think he always gets the credit as the gospel writer who shows fulfillment happening, but he does it subtly all throughout his right. gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and so I love that. And there's a huge difference between uh, the things that have just recently happened and the things that have been fulfilled. Yeah. You know, God is keeping his promises. And you see that, you know, in both of the introductions, you know, whenever Gabriel, you know, comes to Zechariah, he picks up on the very last verse in the Old Testament. It's been 400 screaming years, you know, since people have heard from God. And then the angel, you know, comes to Zechariah and he picks up on that last verse that he'll turn the hearts of the children to their parents and he'll come in the power 
you know, of, of Elijah. Mm-hmm. And so the story picks up right where it left off. Yeah. And then it uh, you know, goes on, you know, from there. Yeah. And I, I love how he grounds all of this in history. You know, I think sometimes we can read the Gospels as if they were maybe miraculous accounts or, or accounts that detail some aspects of Jesus's life or teaching. But this is also rooted in history. And Luke is writing to show us, I've carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I've consulted all the eyewitnesses. You know, I've, I've considered the accounts and I'm doing this so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. You know, so when we, when we read Luke, it's about strengthening our, our faith in, you know, not just theological ideas, but also in history that, that this God-man came and broke into human history yeah. at specific times. And he gives us, even when we get to what I think it's Luke 3, you start seeing all these names of historical figures and emperors, you know, that he wants us to see. Right. This isn't just yeah. something that was removed. This happened in time and space. And he'll almost always give us a, you know, a historical reference yeah. to ground us you know, where we are in the story. So he begins in verse 5, in the time when Herod was king of Judea. And, of course, that that his history passed, you know, for Luke's readers, uh, you know, as he he does that. And, of course, you know, the privilege, you know, that uh, it happens in the perfect place. Uh, You know, it starts in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God, uh, where, you know, God is revealing that he's picking up the story. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of you know great things that Luke is doing you know yeah. to help us you know get in get into the story, and then of course uh, whenever you have you know Gabriel's you know introduction to Jesus, uh, you know he will be verse thirty two he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High mm-hmm. the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever his kingdom will never end, mm-hmm. and you have a very important early you know clue. The story is deeply connected to God's yeah. promises to David that mm-hmm. one day someone would reign on David's throne who was like David, but a far greater David, someone after God's own heart. Yeah. And so we have the wonderful anticipation of this. Mm-hmm. And then you have a question, you know, from First Samuel, you know, that's answered for us. How will, you know, how will someone reign forever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you are going to see that in the person. You know, of Jesus, yeah. who is not, you know, just a descendant of David, but as the son of the Most High. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we see several of, of Luke's themes, too. As the first chapter, we talked about just kind of highlighting those themes as you're reading. You know, you're going to see the salvation, you know, highlighted here. You see um, the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe just as you go back and you read this chapter on your own today, you know, just go back and watch how many times Luke talks about the Holy Spirit and, you know, the Spirit being, you know, at work or, you know, maybe even the other one is the good news, the theme of good news you see just kind of all over this first chapter. And then I love the, the emphasis on joy mm. you know, yeah. that, that you have. It almost just kind of gets overshadowed by some of these other things. But, I mean, Luke's just so content to show us that yeah. the inbreaking of what God is doing through Christ is going to be great joy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so the Spirit of God is part of the conception of Jesus. Uh, John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth, mm-hmm. uh, but the very sound of uh, Mary's greeting, uh, you know, the spirit caused you know the baby in uh, Elizabeth's womb to leap with joy. Yeah. So you have very early on a hint that uh, the Holy Spirit is the most precious gift that God gives, mm-hmm. and He will be given to us in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's close with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the story that you've uh, invited us into, story of your redemptive plan from the moment we pushed you out of our lives, you pursued us 
through the promises you made to Abraham, through the promises that you made to David, through the promises the prophets made of the new covenant when you would restore and renew your people by the Holy Spirit, and how we, how we rejoice to see the story unfolded in the person of Jesus. Thank you for the precious gift you have given us in him. Amen.